Welcome to the Future is Healthy podcast, where we have in-depth conversations with experts to help navigate wellness and empower all of us to make feasible changes to a healthier life and healthier world. In today's conversation, we had the honor to speak with Dave Asprey, who is the founder and chairman of Bulletproof and the father of biohacking. He is a four-time New York Times bestselling science author, host of the Webby Award-winning podcast, Bulletproof Radio, and has been featured on the Today Show, CNN, the New York Times, Dr. Oz, and many more. Today, Dave starts off with his journey of how he weighed 300 pounds to becoming the father of biohacking. He explains why regular diet and exercise advice did not actually help him or many other people. He talks about the myths about health and how people should address health and weight loss. He also talks about fasting and how to know if you are over fasting or doing too much keto. We talk about how females and males respond differently to fasting. Dave also shares his vision for the future of exercise, maybe even only having to work out one second for the entire week. We chatted about these topics and much, much more. We really enjoyed this conversation and we hope that you do too. Now onto the podcast. Hi, Dave. Welcome to the Future is Healthy podcast. We are so excited to have you here. I've been a longtime fan, read all of your books, and we are so excited to get all of your knowledge. (laughs) It's my pleasure to share it. We also want to let you know that we start off every morning with Bulletproof Coffee, and we weren't paid to say that. It's like like we're family. I do the same thing. Who would have thought? (laughs) Dave and she gets mad. Like I wasn't sold at first and I would just buy whatever coffee and she was getting pissed every time. And so we just have like four old coffees in there that just keep, you know, building up in our shelves. And if I don't get bulletproof, she won't drink it. So she's not lying at all. It's worth keeping some of the other coffee around just in case you are really having a great day and you want to ruin it. Just have a cup (laughs) of coffee with mold in it. And then like, oh, that's how I used to feel. So it's kind of a reminder of why you're bulletproof. It works for me. And if you have friends over that you don't like that much, you give them. That's right. (laughs) Totally. Um, So we'd love to start just a little bit with your background story. Like what got you into biohacking? Well, I used to weigh 300 pounds. And I had most of the diseases of aging before I was 30. Um, Arthritis on my knees when I was 14. I had chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, high risk of stroke and heart attack, uh, pre-diabetes, constant pain in my body, and cognitive dysfunction. And I did all the stuff that was supposed to work. I was on antibiotics for 15 years for chronic strep throat and sinusitis, um, all kinds of stuff. And finally... I said, I'm going to lose this weight. It's the most important thing I can do. And I'd already lost 25 pounds, gained 35, lose 35, gained 45. I've yo-yoed. I tried all the diets. And I said, okay, I'm going to exercise no matter what. And I exercised 90 minutes a day, half weights, half cardio for 18 months, six days a week. Went on a low-fat, low-calorie diet after I'd had two knees, after I'd had two knee surgeries. And this was in my early 20s. I think I was maybe 22 at the time. And magically, at the end of 18 months, I still weighed 300 pounds. I had a 46-inch waist, and I sat down at Carl's Jr. with my friends. I had I'll have the chicken salad with no dressing oh, and no chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm watching me double Western bacon cheeseburgers. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm bigger than all my friends. I eat less than all my friends, and I exercise more than all my friends, and I'm fatter than all my friends. Maybe I'm eating too much lettuce. And it just clicked one day, you know, that can't be because that doesn't make sense. 
maybe there's something else. So I started looking at stuff that I didn't believe was valid that would work because I really did the stuff they say that works and it did not work. And I ended up spending about $300,000 in 10 years and I started running an anti-aging nonprofit group and uh, fixed the stuff and along the way realized, wow, there's a whole lot of untapped potential here and I went from repairing to upgrading. Along the way, I've had a very successful career in Silicon Valley where I really was a computer hacker. And I played a, a role in the, the creation of the company that held Google's first servers when Google was two guys and two computers. And when Facebook was the Facebook, uh, we held their servers. And uh, so I, uh, I was an early tech entrepreneur there. So I was able to pay for all these upgrades, most of which didn't work, but I got to experiment. And eventually I said, I'm gonna write a blog. The blog was not meant to be a business. And I said, if five people read the, what's now on DaveAsprey.com, if five people read that and it lets them avoid all the crap and suffering that I went through, <laughs> it'll be worth it. And it turns out more than five people are interested. And I said, you know, I'm tired of feeling like crap when I drink moldy coffee. I know it's the mold in coffee. You know, my first blog post was the recipe for bulletproof coffee, which was inspired by a trip to Tibet to learn meditation from the masters. So I said, all right, uh, maybe a hundred people want to buy clean coffee because the market size was zero. And it turns out more than 10 people did. And no one knew about MCT oil, much less the brain octane that I made uh, for Bulletproof, which is the subcategory of MCT. But I knew it worked. I knew some of the reasons it worked. So I put that out there and I ended up creating Bulletproof, which raised $80 million and created five, well, we created three of the five product categories that we lead. <laughs> so I've created three different billion dollar categories that there, there was no demand 10 years ago. And these are all around making people feel more like themselves. Like who would have thought? That's kind of how I got here. That's amazing. <laughs> and I think that your story resonates with a lot of people. I mean, even just us in our fourth year of medical school, the people that we see who come into clinic, who are overweight and who have tried all of the diets, but nothing's working. They're like, I swear I only eat like 500 calories a day. And some people are like, no, no, that can't be true. Or else you'd be skinnier, but it's like, oh no, the low fat, highly processed meals, and they're not getting anywhere. So for those people who have tried to yo-yo, what are some of like your top three suggestions that they take right now in starting to upgrade their lives? The first thing to understand is that, and you guys know this because you're in your fourth year of medical school, um, if someone has 10 symptoms, what do you call them? A, a hypochondriac, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, someone who has mitochondrial dysfunction, which means they do a bad job of combining air and food to make energy, they can have 10 symptoms. So then you're taught, and I'm kind of putting words in your mouth, maybe it's better now than when my wife went to med school, but I'm friends with lots of doctors. I lecture to doctors, even though I'm not one. Um, you're kind of taught it's the patient's problem. You should be looking in the direction of, you know, an antidepressant. Yeah. <laughs> so we have that. So, so number one, like if you're not losing weight and you're doing what's supposed to work, exercising more and eating less is a terrible, terrible way to lose weight. It creates suffering and cravings and eventually the system that runs your body when you're not looking, you know, the one that makes you poop, the one that makes you blink, the one that makes you breathe, that system, it will win. If you don't believe me, hold your breath for 10 minutes. <laughs> it will win, okay? When you say, I'm gonna eat less and exercise more, it's the same as holding your breath. The body will make you eat. So, hmm, what that means is you're inducing suffering 
and you might temporarily lose weight. Some people with generally working metabolisms do, but what are you gonna do if you're someone like me? I was like, actually I did it and I felt like crap and it didn't work. It means something's wrong with your metabolism. I am going to recommend, if, if you don't believe me, I did a documentary and it's just a free gift for people who'd like to check it out. It's called moldymovie.com. Uh, actually it's called moldy movie, but it's at moldymovie.com. It's a movie about toxic mold in the environment. And the reason I'm bringing this up is not everyone has toxic mold. 100 million structures in the US have a problem with this, but it illustrates a very important example. In my case, I lived in a house that had toxic mold. One of the toxins it makes is a xenoestrogen or a synthetic estrogen, a thousand times more estrogenic than human estrogen. And it goes in through your lungs and your skin, or you can eat it. Now, why would I bring that up when we're talking about weight loss? Well, it just so happens that in commercial agriculture with industrial animals, they purify this compound. It's called xeralanone, and they make a drug called xeranol. And you put a little waxy tablet in a cow's ear, and it melts in and becomes a part of the fat membranes in the body. And the cow gets fat on 30% less calories. They call it feed efficiency. Now, if such a pill can exist, and some idiot health influencer or magazine cover tells you, eat less calories and exercise more, it's Newton's law. It's okay just to laugh at them and just be like, you're an idiot. Because according to Newton's law, if you eat a gram of uranium, you should be full for the next 100 years of your life. Because <laughs> it, it doesn't work like that. We're not meat robots, mm -hmm. right? We're biological systems <laughs> and we work differently. So that's one example. What it means is you have a metabolic problem. It means that your body does a terrible job of converting air and food into electricity. Now, how big of a problem is this? Everyone over age 40 has, has uh, mitochondrial insufficiency, according to some research in my book on anti-aging um, called Superhuman. And 48% of people under age 40 have early onset mitochondrial insufficiency. I certainly did. Is it caused by toxic mold? Maybe it's a big problem. Is it caused by a viral infection like Epstein-Barr or some other famous virus that had long-standing symptoms? By the way, many viruses, including herpes, have long-standing symptoms afterwards. That's not new. And so, hmm, could that be it? Yes, could be a car accident that just didn't heal right and left some stuff in some extra stress response in the body. Could it be a chronic yeast infection or toxic metal? Sure, something disrupted your body. So sometimes stopping the things that make you weak before you do the things that make you strong is the right thing to do. My advice for someone who's really worked on it is you need to see a functional medicine doctor and you need to order two different lab panels that are gonna change your life. The first one is an advanced thyroid hormone panel. The number of fat tired people who have low thyroid is astoundingly high. I was one of them. And when I was uh, 26, my doctor's like, hmm, I can barely detect any thyroid hormone. And I took my first thyroid medication. I'm like, oh my God, I can think today. This is amazing. <laughs> so if you have adequate thyroid, magically a lot of your symptoms go away and you can lose weight. And then exercise doesn't just feel like punching yourself in the face, it's pretty good. And then the second panel you wanna get is an advanced sex hormone panel. If you are low on testosterone, whether you're a man or a woman, or if you're a woman, some of your other sex hormones like progesterone can be messed up as well, or your estrogens. Um, if you just fix those, magically, your pants will 
not fit anymore. They'll be too big for you. <laughs> and that's what you want to do. Along the way, you might want to learn how to skip breakfast. I just wrote a book called Fast This Way. I've taught 60,000 people for free how to do intermittent fasting without ever being hungry. You go to fastthisway.com, you can sign up and I'll teach you over two weeks. There's a community of lots of people supporting each other. And I don't charge for it, why? Because I think it's better for all of us if you spend less money, less time, less energy making breakfast. You feel better that morning and then you don't get diabetes a couple years later. It, it just seems like that's one of the highest return on investment behaviors you can do. So short intermittent fasting, I'll teach you how to not overdo it and how to not basically break yourself. You can be over keto, a lot of women do this, but it, they hit the wall for men and you can over fast, these are problems, but not doing those at all is a problem as well. And then if you are one of the um, zealots left who's still eating a plant-based diet, stop, you are not a plant. <laughs> Vegan diets make people infertile. They make children less intelligent. They ruin your hormones and they're bad for you. How do I know this? I was a raw vegan until it made me really sick and I started breaking teeth and I still have autoimmune issues from that time. The vegan diet is stupid and it is based on bad science. It does not help the planet. It does not help the soil, which requires poop from grass-fed animals. And at the same time, stop eating industrial animals. They're bad for you. Eat some grass-fed animals, eat some butter, eat some eggs from healthy chickens and maybe some fish, you'll be fine. Um, so we love regenerative agriculture. We're very much into the intersection of human and planetary health. And uh, you have a farm, don't you? I am recording this from my farm right now. We have about, I think we have 25 sheep. We just got a new heritage breed, something called a baby doll sheep that was popular in the 1700s, oh. a black one, actually. So I think he's number 25. He might be number 24. And uh, there's a lot of species disappearing right now. Uh, these are domesticated species and these guys have the personality like a dog but they're not very good at meat they're not very good at wool and they're not very good at milk but they're pretty good at all of them so these were the ones you wanted three of these in your backyard no matter what because they could do everything but now the most of the species that are alive are you know just rippled with meat or they're rippled with wool um, so they're highly specialized and we need diversity in our plants that are domesticated. We need diversity in our animals. And so there's a group of small farmers like me who are building soil, which funny enough, pulls carbon out of the air, even though we get to eat the animals. I, it's almost like we're stopping the carbon problem by building soil. Who would have thought? And we're building healthier food. We feed our community. And I actually just opened my restaurant this week in Victoria, British Columbia, where we're doing farm to table. It's called Upgrade Cafe. Congratulations. Wow. We're going to have to come visit that. <laughs> Anytime. Um, so I, I love that you touched on in fast this way, you touched on the fact that women can over fast or over keto. So I so myself, yeah. yeah. And men too, but I feel like first, yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of conversation around fasting and around keto diets. And most people talk about it from a male perspective. And so I really appreciate that you brought in the female perspective as well. And for our listeners who um, identify as female or who are women. Like, like me, I had to identify as female for a year to write that chapter. It was really <laughs> difficult, but I got over it. <laughs> so what, what are the recommendations for women and when can they tell that they're over fasting or over ketoing? Well, if you have the ability to track your sleep with some kind of a device, it's going to be your first alert. And the cheapest way to do it, there's uh, an app you can get on your phone called Sleep Space. 
that'll track your sleep quality just using the microphone and things like that. The next level um, up from that is an Aura Ring, O-U-R-A. I'm wearing one right now. It looks like a normal ring, but it's got all kinds of crazy sensors. You wake up, it'll tell you how much deep sleep, how much REM or dreaming sleep you got, how much light sleep, which isn't that useful. So you can teach yourself to get more sleep in less time when you do the biohacking stuff that I, I teach. And by the way, speaking of teaching, if you go to the DaveAsprey.com blog, there's a sleep challenge where I'll teach you everything I know about getting more sleep in less time um, over the course of a couple of weeks. Also, no charge. I just think people are nicer when they sleep better. Who would have thought? So <laughs> that's one of those things I do just to share my work. That's called the sleep challenge. And if you if you're tracking your sleep, what you're going to find is that if you do an intermittent fast, you're like, all right, this is great. And then because intermittent fasting works, I'm going to do more. This is just the human condition. I call it the fasting trap, same as the keto trap. It was great. I'm only going to do that for the rest of my life. And when we're younger, we tend to do that more because you haven't really broken things enough to notice that that isn't a good pattern. So with age comes wisdom and also comes metabolic scars. So part of my goal is to help teach people, hey, you don't have to do that. So what will happen is you'll say, I'm going to only do one meal a day, maybe for this week. So every day I'm just going to have lunch. And most people listening are going, that's ridiculous. Are you stupid? You would, you'd hate your life. You know, this, I teach people how to not be hungry during a fast. That's the whole Fast This Way book is about that. It's about how do you do a working fast? You have more energy and more focus. You feel great and you'll sleep amazing the first two or three nights. But by the time you get to your fifth or sixth day, you'll wake up and you'll say, I slept seven or eight hours, but I don't feel like I slept seven or eight hours. Something's not right. And so that's the first sign of sleep disruption. And it can happen if you're doing a 16-hour day fast or a 14-hour day fast, especially if you have emotional stress. You know, you're in medical school, maybe, you know, it's final, final exams. You've just worked, you know, a four-day shift or whatever they torture you with these days to make sure you have no circadian rhythm. <laughs> um, all, all that kind of stuff. So it's life stress. And all that comes together. And your body says, all right, fasting is a stressor. It's like exercise. You can over-exercise and you can under-exercise. So when you're overdoing it from a total stress perspective, it's going to show up in lower deep sleep and sleep disturbances. That's step number one. But you're going to ignore that because you already know that fasting makes you feel good. So you're probably not fasting enough. So you're going to fast even more. And But you could insert keto in the same thing. Keto, it's a similar thing. You know, certainly I know carbs didn't make me feel good. So I'm never eating a carb again. You're like, you're not going to like your life. And <laughs> then you're going to start noticing, hmm, I used to have a really regular monthly cycle, but now it's irregular and I didn't even get any weird injections that seem to cause irregular periods. Huh, I wonder. And then you're gonna say, it's probably because I'm eating too often, I'll just eat every other day. So you'll double down your fast again. And then eventually go, my hair is getting thin, I can't sleep and my hormones are all jacked up. I wonder if it's my fasting. So part of the teaching in the book is for women to avoid that. And for men, it's kind of similar. We tend to hit the women, it's usually within within four weeks if they're doing intermittent fasting, but if you're doing a more aggressive one meal a day schedule, it can hit you sooner. And then for men, it's sleep disturbances, um, followed by, hmm, I wake up and there's no kickstand in the morning the way I'm used to. Uh, that's a medical term, kickstand, right? <laughs> yeah. It's from, it's from the Latin. <laughs> and uh, from there, um, the thinning of the hair as well is, is an issue. So as you might imagine, being um, medical people, well, there's some cortisol involved in the hair thinning and in the, the problems with cycles. So what do you do? Well, 
It just so happens there's this interesting book called The Bulletproof Diet that I first published online in 2011, but the book came out in 2014. And there's five big things they've got to get right in your diet. And this was the first book to mention these in popular press, and they've all become kind of, they have cult followings. One of them is that foods have toxins that mess with you, especially plants. So you see the anti-lectin stuff. Some lectins are okay, some are not. The Bulletproof Diet includes lectins and oxalic acid, which is why kale is bad for you and gross. It's one of the two reasons. Actually, no, kale's just gross because of what it is. It's bad for you too. So um, there are, are plant toxins. Those are two big categories. Phytic acid is another one that blocks your ability to absorb minerals. Uh, and these are things that shred your gut and make you feel bad. So you're saying, but I wanted to lose weight. So I ate the kale and some kind of you know wheat berry salad. And I thought it was good for me because it tasted bad. But all it did was make you hungry and create inflammation. And inflammation means your cells didn't make electricity from air and food because that wasn't really food. It was just filler for your stomach that irritated your immune system. So... <laughs> Uh, that's where you end up. And then you need to have intermittent fasting, which is part of the Bulletproof Diet, and cyclical ketosis. I mean, you're in ketosis sometimes, but not other times. So the recipe is skip breakfast, don't eat foods that cause inflammation, don't eat omega-6 oils, eat more saturated fats instead, and magically do that. And sometimes don't have carbs, other times have carbs, but have them dinner. And if you follow those basic rules, there's a one-page printout, daveasprey.com slash roadmap. Again, this is free. I just want people to do this because we're, we're wired to be nice to each other when we're not hungry and tired all the time. So daveasprey.com slash roadmap. You can download what I just said as a one-page PDF and put it on your fridge. And I'll tell you, these foods don't cause inflammation. These foods do. And these foods might be bad for you. They might not. You got to try them. And that's how it works. Um, I do have a question really quickly about the toxins that you find in plants. So I know yeah. that you, you, we were just talking about the farm that you have. Um, do you find that there's less of those uh, inflammatory responses in the human body when it's naturally grown, like in your own garden, than if you buy it from the grocery store? Or is it pretty similar? It's pretty similar. There is a difference. So the soil that, that we use comes from animal poop and compost and it is black and rich and fertile and we measure and balance the minerals in it. So our food tastes better <laughs> and it has minerals that are in it that you're not going to find in your organic farm food because organic farms aren't allowed to replace minerals, which is dumb. <laughs> so the organic standards should be updated. Just don't use chemicals. But if you need more copper, put copper in your soil for God's sake. So the nutrient density matters. And this is where most of what I'm imagining they teach you about uh, food in medical school and certainly in popular press. Oh, nutrient density is a big deal. And let me talk about that before we talk about the toxin thing in your question. Nutrient density assumes that calories are bad for you. Calorie is a measure of energy, right? Yeah. So you want to be a highly energetic person, so you should have less energy in your diet. Wait, hold on. Maybe something's wrong with the thinking there. So you should have enough energy and be good at converting the energy in. But because they think energy makes you fat, um, then they'll tell you eat less energy and eat more nutrients. So the perfect food would be, well, it'd be a vitamin capsule with no calories, right? Except you can't do that because it's not a whole food. So then the thing is you have to eat a whole food that has lots of nutrients but no calories, which would make you hungry all the time. And... They ignore the fact that plants that are full of nutrients protect the nutrients with anti-nutrients. That's not in the thinking for nutrient density. So 
in that example, I could say, here's a bowl of cyanide and I put a vitamin capsule on top and it's low calorie. You can eat it. And they're like, yeah, I'll have two because <laughs> it's high nutrient density. They don't care about the toxins. It's invisible to them. Right. And this is a fundamental problem in nutrition. So when you pick a, a piece of fruit or a vegetable, uh, say a tomato, which is known as a vegetable, but is a fruit and you pick it when it's not ripe and you transport it, it will have a higher level of lectins in it. What lectins are is they're a type of protein that sticks to certain sugars. And there are some people, including some friends who say, oh, you know, all lectins are bad for you. Problem is your body makes a thousand lectins on board every day, a thousand different types. It's a common molecule. Certain lectins are bad for certain people. Most people tolerate cashews pretty well and they have a great saturated fat to monounsaturated fat ratio, which is why I like them. Some people don't. But grains and nightshade vegetables have a ton of lectins that are irritating to most people. They don't teach you this, but about a third of all cases of rheumatoid arthritis are caused by potatoes, tomatoes, and bell peppers and related types of plants. But you might tolerate them, you might not. It's, it's a lottery, right? So if you eat something from that family that was picked a while ago, it's going to be even higher in lectins. But even if it's fresh and nice and amazing, it's still not going to be good for you. So the levels change, but what really changes is flavor and the availability of nutrients, not so much the toxins. Um, when a plant was picked a month ago or a couple of weeks ago and transported, it does lose more nutrients. But I'm just going to be straightforward. If you think you're getting enough nutrients from your plants, even if you live on a farm like me, you're living in la-la land. The idea that you should get all your nutrition from your food also presupposes that you get all of your toxins from Mother Nature, right? Let's move back to the Garden of Eden when there's no insert long list of 10,000 chemicals that didn't exist 50 years ago that the FDA allowed into our air and our food and our water. So if you think your body doesn't need help detoxing all of that stuff and you're going to magically get it from plants, seriously, you're living in fantasy land. So you help your body detox, you help your body handle the environment that we live in with nutrient supplementation and the highest nutrient density foods you can get, which are animals. And so should we supplement that with uh, synthetic meat as well? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I like to make my synthetic meat out of petroleum directly. I sometimes <laughs> put a couple scoops of Vaseline in my soup and it's like, it's so good. I mean... Um, although the guy who invented, who invented Vaseline, to his credit, lived to 90, and he had a tablespoon every day to lubricate his insides. I think he was a doctor, wasn't he? Whoa. I'm kidding. I don't know if he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but all of that is true it. except the doctor part. All of the, he, he actually did eat a tablespoon a day and swore it was good for him. Wow. So um, what's, what's going on here with synthetic meat is there is a, a radical group of animal rights protesters who believe that animals and humans are the same morally and intellectually, spiritually, and that it is wrong to ever uh, eat or you know do anything to an animal you wouldn't do to a person. They have carefully and with planning over the last 30 years worked on inserting a radical vegan agenda into culture. And when it didn't work for to get people to believe their crazy belief systems, they said, hmm, we'll convince people it's healthy. And they make movies like What the Health, which is the biggest bunch of garbage you've ever seen from a scientific perspective and has been widely criticized by anyone who knows anything about food. So 
there's an agenda there. And there's also an agenda by the big grain and big food companies to sell you the lowest cost product and tell you it's healthy, the one that, that stays on the shelf a long time, which is cheap fats, omega-6 fats that cause diabetes, heart disease, and cancer, and grains and sugar, because, well, they're cheap and they store a long time. It's just not scientifically valid, but if you repeat a lie enough times, a lot of people will believe it. So synthetic meat is basically that stuff. Oh, it tastes like meat. Yes, but what does it do to your body? It makes you old and makes you hurt and makes you dumb. There's another kind of synthetic meat that's grown with cultures in you know, from cow cells. The most important part of a grass-fed animal is not the meat, it's the fat. <laughs> they don't grow any fat, it's the collagen. I'm the guy who made collagen in a billion dollar category with bulletproof collagen. <laughs> Well, you don't get any collagen in synthetic meat. And what is it growing in? It's not getting grass. Oh, it's eating corn and soy that was carefully sterilized and processed in a big factory, packaged in plastic bags, put into a vat, and then made these weird cells that then went through another few machines, added some whatever the heck else and made it look and feel kind of like meat. What's the environmental footprint of that? I can tell you, just eat one of my sheep. They're more delicious. Yeah. And I think that's also a, a good point that you brought up with the nutrients of animals is most highly concentrated in the fat. Like that's why you're eating the animal. And that's also why if you can afford it, grass-fed meat is better because toxins store in the fat. So if you're yes. eating an animal that is fed or exposed to toxins, then you're more likely to eat it from like a conventionally raised feedlot animal. I'm going to challenge you on one thing there. Absolutely. You said if you can afford it. The cost of eating industrial meat to you is you are at higher risk for every disease. You won't feel as good. You'll get older faster. You're, you're contributing to the destruction of our soil. You contributed to a very terrible life for the animal and it's not food. So the idea that you can't afford grass-fed meat is not accurate. What you can do, even if you are on low income, is you can get it shipped to you and they'll send it to you and it is much less expensive when you get it that way than if you buy it at the fresh and local you know, $25 a pound sort of thing, uh, which is an incredible luxury. But ground grass-fed meat, either at a farmer's market or um, locally or frozen, is affordable if you eat half as much. So I will tell you, eat more grass-fed butter, which is three bucks a pound on a per calorie basis. It's way cheaper than kale. Eat more eggs. If you can't afford organic or better yet, pasture-raised eggs, then eat non-organic eggs because funny enough, chicken mothers shield the eggs from toxins as best as they can because they know toxins mess up the next generation. It's one of the cleaner things you can do. So you have more eggs, more butter, less meat, but higher quality meat, and it costs less than eating fast food. You might have to learn how to cook. You'll need one pan to do this right, but you got to learn how to cook. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> I'll get off my soapbox now. It was organic. So. <laughs> so Dave, you've really created new product categories. I mean, you've been on every trend pretty much. Like you've created these new new pipelines and you've created these new products. What trends are you most excited for in the near future? Well, I feel like I've made a dent in big food uh, with Bulletproof, but big exercise is next. And there's really two ways of exercise we've always had. One of them is pick up rocks. Sometimes we make them out of metal, but really that's weightlifting. And the other one has been running away from or run towards tigers, depending on what kind of weapons you have and what the tiger wants. <laughs> so there's your cardiovascular exercise. 
And we've been replicating that with different uniforms, like, you know, unitards, leotards, spandex, yoga pants over the past, you know, 50, 60, 500, 5,000 years. Literally, the Greek Olympics, 2,000 years ago, they were doing the same stuff. Well, we now have the technology to get more exercise in less time and to recover faster than Mother Nature wants. We're getting more toxins and more stress than our nervous systems and our biology was designed for. So how do we fix that? Well, let's recover faster than Mother Nature designed. My company called Upgrade Labs is franchising uh, this year, and there will be hundreds of locations of Upgrade Labs across the country and around the world if things go according to plan. So I've stepped down from my leadership roles at Bulletproof. There's a team working on that, and I am working on bringing a new generation of things where you say, how much time do I have to invest in myself right now? And you're going to come in, we're going to measure where you are biologically, we're going to ask you your goals, and then we show you how to use technology that's used for, by astronauts for recovery, by professional athletes, by Navy SEALs. So you'll do some things that are less difficult than exercising. If you need cardiovascular, no problem. How about you do seven minutes of exercise that won't make you sweat, that gives you more benefits than a 45 minute spin class and won't wear out your hips. Now it's, it's actually very much, uh, it's so easy people saying this is deceptively simple, but we show them their results. Um, with numbers and they're going, oh my God, I can't believe this just happened. And uh, quite often it's not what you'd expect. So it's less work and more recovery than anything you've ever had. So that's Upgrade Labs and that's the next big trend is how do I recover faster? And can I just acknowledge, I don't really like repetitive exercise. If I didn't have to lift weights, I wouldn't. In fact, I don't lift weights. And I feel like as a 48-year-old guy who the New York Times says I'm almost muscular, I'm showing off my guns. <laughs> They're not that big. But like that's enough muscle to live to 180. And if you have too much muscle, it reduces lifespan if you don't have enough muscle. So I'm doing pretty well. And I promise you that I exercise less than you, but I probably could um, squeeze you until you couldn't breathe. So how do you do that? Be strong in not very much time? That's, that's kind of cool. Everyone can do that. So what, what's a sample, if I were to sign up for um, Upgrade Labs, what would it look like? Well, you'd walk in the door and we would get some measurements using electrical impedance um, of your body. We would be able to tell if you're dehydrated or inflamed, how your cell metabolism was working and whether you had an imbalance in muscle. We could tell you how much visceral fat you have. Visceral fat, as you know, because you're studying these things, it's the fat that kills you, the fat around your organs, the fat you can't see. Even if you look good in you know, a, a tight shirt or whatever, you can still have a ton of fat around your liver and your organs. We'll measure that. And it's a pretty simple test and non-invasive. And then I have low visceral fat for a 20-year-old, so I'm doing all right. It's funny, I think the Bulletproof diet works. But when you get to, when you get past that, we're like, well, what do you wanna do? You tired? Do you want recovery? Do you want your brain to work better? We have a full set of neurofeedback from my 40 years of Zen company there. Um, did you want to work instead of on your brain, on your cardiovascular, on your muscles? And maybe you're just blown out. You just want to recover. And there's a recovery side of our technology. And then there's the stimulation side of the technology. Whatever it is, we're going to put on muscle three times faster than lifting heavy things. We're going to give you 45 minutes of cardio in seven minutes. <laughs> or you could lay there for about 40 minutes and we'll do some recovery using uh, different sorts of light therapy that are clinically validated while you're breathing certain uh, changed mixes of gas that give you the same benefits as intense cardiovascular exercise while you're laying there making your skin look better. So 
look, I'm lazy. I don't want to exercise. I want to think about cool stuff and play with my kids. And I think most people are like that. They just want to admit it. So if I could download, you know, like in the matrix, you know, I know Kung Fu, I know med school, whatever. I don't know how to do that yet, but if I could do that, I would. And I wouldn't feel guilty about it either. And if I could exercise in one second for the entire week, I would do that too. Wow. That's uh, so I want to get us there. That's, yeah, that's, that's the next big sell. trend. <laughs> that's exciting. Um, and you just mentioned your kids too. Uh, I was wondering, when do you start biohacking? When's the best time to start this anti-aging process? What are your kids doing? <laughs> yeah. The best time to start anti-aging is uh, three months before your mom gets pregnant with you. Mm. It's the science of epigenetics. One of the things that'll make you live longer is how healthy was your grandmother and how healthy was your mom? It's a multi-generational thing. This has been proven. My first book was called The Better Baby Book. A lot of people haven't read it, but it's, let's say I've gotten more people pregnant than the average guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because of that book, I, I wrote it with my wife. She was infertile when I met her. Her colleagues at the Karolinska Institute said, you're infertile, you're not going to have kids. We had both kids, one at 39, one at 42 with no IVF and no pharmaceutical interventions. And it came from fixing the diet, stopping the things that make you bad and doing more of the saturated fats. And the other stress resolvers, the stuff that are in the body of work that I have on, on my blog and on the, the Bulletproof Radio podcast. So I just wanted to share all that stuff because it, it really matters. And for my kids, yeah, we made sure Lana would had, you know, eliminated as many toxins as we could. We, we gave her the very best, highest nutrient, lowest toxin, high fat, nourishing diet you could possibly have, especially during the first trimester when you might not even know you're, you're pregnant. Uh, and then you have diminishing returns ever going on ever since the day of conception. So if you start when they're three, you have less results than if you started when they were one day old. And if you start when they're 12, you have less results when they were three. And if you start when you're 40, you still can win, right? <laughs> and if you can start when you're 80, the anti-aging nonprofit group I ran, my friend Mike was 88 years old and on our board of directors. And he would call me when I was 26, he would call me at 1130 at night, all excited. And say, I have this new idea. I got to do this. <laughs> and I'm like, how is it that this guy who's like more than three times my age has more energy than I do? because I've seen it, it's possible, right? They did it on purpose. So you can dial the clock back. And there are, when I look at the people who are in, like my, my mentorship group is called the Upgrade Collective. And we've got thousands of people there. And there's people who are in their seventies, like I just went bulletproof three years ago and I got my brain back and I'm gonna start a company. You don't say that when you're 70, but it's like this vibe comes in and you got people who are 18 going, I'm not fat anymore and my career is ahead of me and I'm running circles around all of my friends. What is going on, right? This is the power that everyone has. And frankly, you should be able to go into your functional medicine doctor and they should be like, what are you doing? Like, what do you want a drug or something? You need to eat the right stuff and you need to learn how to sleep and you need to do these basic things. And that would change people's lives in a very meaningful way. And I'm hopeful that as, as you guys go out there and become professional healers, um, the profession is changing. Dr. Google can kick your ass already. Um, Algorithms and even, will always beat us. Yeah, he, he will. And, and when, you talk to, when you've had 20 years of experience, you'll just know, you'll walk into a patient and you'll touch them for two seconds, like my wife can, and you'll know their blood pressure because you can actually feel it with your fingers. You don't need much time. A professional Chinese medicine practitioner, an acupuncturist for 20 years also can do that, right? Because your nervous system can and will learn pattern matching. But to diagnose someone in five minutes, like the diagnosis is gonna be handled by AI. It's already, it's already done. But 
what they need is someone who can help them do it, who can help them with compliance and partner with them. And so I'm expecting there to be a huge demand for functional doctors who understand the complex lifestyle and psychological factors that go into being a good patient. And that's what patients are paying for now. I'm pretty excited about that. Are you pretty optimistic about functional medicine and lifestyle medicine and as a whole? I, I am. Uh, I'm not sure where the line between that and not being medicine is. And what I would love to see is doctors who charge a, hmm, just, just a flat fee. You know, you pay an insurance company, no, pay me. If, if you're sick, come on in. But my job is to make you never come in. And I make more money when you don't come in. So we see concierge practices like that, monthly subscription practices, including some of telemedicine that work really well. So then if something's wrong, you're going to be working really hard with the patient. And if something's right, you know, we have our meetings once a quarter and we do the standard lab, lab panels, but you guys are good. So you're going to see a lot of demand for that and a lot of that tied in with the technology platform. So it's easy for you to support, you know, a thousand patients. And if a thousand patients are each paying you a hundred bucks a month, I think you're doing all right. That's much better than the pay and residency. And then all the, <laughs> yeah, no the little bit of money that trickles back after insurance companies and all that stuff. I bet you just are looking forward to working, you know, 70 or 80 hours a week at a hospital for, you know, $64,000 a year after you graduate, right? Mm -hmm. um, I really like what you were saying about being a partnership and in partnership with your patient, because that's something that we aren't taught enough about is how to form habit changes. And we tell people, our patients who come in, I mean, again, the, the advice is off, eat less, exercise more, but mm -hmm. we also don't give them any tools on how to make those lifestyle changes. Um, so if someone's trying to start off on the bulletproof diet, what's one piece of advice that you have for making a habit change like that? You know, if you're having a craving or you're feeling really hungry, it's your fault. It, it means you did something wrong in your last meal or maybe the meal before it, or maybe you did something wrong uh, in some other variable. One thing I noticed, I, I've signed a lot of books. I, I'm nearing the million books sold mark. And Congrats. <clears throat> thank you. I never would have thought as a fat computer hacker that this would be my life. But I will tell you, if I sign books with a Sharpie, you know how they smell? If you sign books for six hours with a Sharpie, you will have brain fog and sugar cravings like no one's business. It's because your liver got hit by a lot of volatile organic chemicals. It's trying to detox them and it needs extra energy so it can oxidize the toxins so that they don't re-enter your circulation. So you're going to want coffee and sugar, right? Or use a non-toxic marker and it doesn't happen. Okay. That's a weird kind of food craving. For most of us, we ate the kale salad. We ate the food that had, uh, you know, spice extracts on it and was deep fried in corn or canola or soybean or whatever cheapest oil they could find. And magically, for some weird reason, a half hour, an hour after you eat, you're really hungry and you have a sugar craving. And you go, oh, it's because I'm mentally and morally weak. And that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you did it wrong. You ate wrong. So it's the food that makes you hungry. When you eat a proper meal, you should not care about food for four hours. Someone could put donuts in front of you, and you're like, I'm not really hungry. I guess I could eat one because they taste good, but I just don't really want it. The difference between that and what was my life when I was heavy, which was the donuts sitting there on the conference table. And it's like, eat me. And you're like, no. And it's just, eat me. And you say, no. And eventually it's like arguing with a two-year-old. And, and you finally say, fine, I'll just eat half. And then you feel like, why did I do that? I'm such a bad person. No, it's because your biology is in control. The part of you that's responsible for hunger and cravings 
unless it's getting what it needs, it's going to yell at you until you give in. And it's not about moral failings. Fat people are willpower athletes because we say no more often than other people, but you will lose. And the answer to that is change what you eat so that your body doesn't want to eat anymore. And that's a really important thing. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that we don't really talk about enough with processed food because highly processed food or like diet sodas, even though there's less calories, it actually harms your gut lining. And so then the neurons in your gut can't respond to those hunger hormones or satiety hormones. So you actually feel hungrier. So you end up essentially eating more when you're eating low calorie things. So it's just this, like you're saying, it's your biology that's playing against you. It is. And if you exercise, guess what exercise makes you do? Eat more. more. <laughs> it makes you hungry. So like you have these really cruel people. I, I kind of feel like they, they might actually just be evil. Um, maybe they're just misinformed, but they're like, ha, ha, ha. <clears throat> we're going to tell them to do something that makes them really hungry. And we're going to tell them not to eat. And then we're going to watch them just squirm around like a worm on a hook until they fail. And then we're going to sell them diet soda. Ha, ha, ha which by the way, makes you obese. And <laughs> it's just, it's evil. It's, it's not okay. No. So um, COVID really divided everybody. Did you find a lot of people, did has Bulletproof everything just spiked? Have people really wanted to take control of their own health or has it not been as much as you expected or? What, uh, what I would just say with COVID is it made people more aware of their health, but most people gained their COVID-15 because they sat at home and ate junk food as a stress response. Um, so of course we saw people more interested in hmm, what can I do? So some percentage of people said, I'm gonna take this time when I'm, I, I have a lot of free time and I'm gonna watch Netflix. And others said, I'm gonna learn how to work out at home or I get to cook. So one of the magic things was I saw a lot more people cooking and, and buying the Bulletproof Diet cookbook and saying, I'm gonna try this out. Um, and then there were others who kind of went in the other direction. What it did do though, is it put most small restaurants, the ones that made the healthy food, the ones that spend twice as much on their ingredients as the big nasty restaurants, uh, put most of them out of business, including mine. I've run the Bulletproof Cafe in Santa Monica for six years now and COVID bankrupted it. And I bought the assets out of bankruptcy and I reinvested and I kept the doors open and I saved all the jobs. I'm fortunate I could do that because I have other companies. Most entrepreneurs are not fortunate like that. They shut their doors and they sold their houses and they got screwed. But it, so, so it's weird. People have, have either gone into stress land. I'm gonna have you know microwave pizza and wine every night and stay up late and, and kind of not do anything. Or they said, I'm gonna get serious because I have time. And what's the difference between those two people? Like, is it a moral failing? Is it trauma? No, it, it's one of those things where it's a feeling of helplessness and a feeling of being alone. So there's a lot of stress and anxiety and trauma that not COVID didn't cause that. Um, so what it's done though, in combination with the media, just incessant reporting, has created huge amounts of anxiety and trauma and loneliness. And that's what makes people eat. And so my job has been to build community. That's why I started the Upgrade Collective this year. You know, thousands of people working together, talking together, we, you call every week uh, with a group. We're all teaching, but they teach each other, right? So I would just say the number one thing anyone can do, even if you haven't quite fixed your food or you're still working on your sleep or whatever, is make sure you have a tribe. It can be online, it can be around. A tribe will save your life. It'll lower your stress, it'll increase your oxytocin, you'll age less quickly and you'll feel better. 
So lastly, this is the Future is Healthy podcast, and we ask every guest to finish the following sentence. The future is blank. Hmm. I'm pretty much a futurist in what I do. So it might be uh, hopefully more than one word. Um, here's what I'm going to say. The future is way better than you think it's going to be. I love that. That's a perfect answer. Um, Dave, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate this. Uh, we learned so much. I know that every time that you put out a podcast or anything that you do, you always say you're going to get a great return on investment in this. And I think that this podcast was a great return on investment. So we really appreciate that. And well, our thanks listeners, for sharing the good word. Yeah. Our listeners will learn a ton. So thank you so much for all the work that you do. And thank you for your time. You got it. And thank you for doing the incredible hard work and investment of studying medicine, because we need more doctors in the new generation of doctors who are willing to look at all variables, not just drugs. And I can tell you, you guys already are starting to think like that. And as you go out there, just be fearless as doctors. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Future is Healthy podcast. If you loved what you heard, subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts. And if you think someone you know can benefit from any of the info we talked about, share this with friends and family and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. We don't rely on paid ads so that you can trust we have no conflict of interest in any of the information we provide or talk about in this podcast. If you support what we're doing, you can help us to continue putting out content by clicking the link to support the Future is Healthy podcast. This podcast is for general education purposes only. It is not a substitute for treatment, diagnoses, or professional medical advice. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or other qualified professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information from this podcast and any of the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. If you are seeking advice for any medical condition, it is important to seek the assistance from a qualified, trained, and licensed medical practitioner.